Reflections on Pine honors the 50th anniversary of civil unrest in Cambridge, Maryland. I'm Verlisha Taylor, and this is episode Breaking the Mold. If you're making me feel bad, then tell me, then do you feel good? I'm just human and all I'm doing During the time the Freedom Riders came here in Dorchester County and our marches, and from those marches, they started hiring black people in positions that they hadn't hired before. And I was the first black female clerk cashier at the local A&P store. Uh, I was proud to have that position offered to me. I passed the test. I did everything you're supposed to do to be hired. I had a good uh, reputation in what they were looking for. The thing about getting there was that the other workers didn't want me there. The other cashiers uh, didn't want to train me uh, as far as each night there's a certain way you had to clear out the drawers. They told the manager told me once, and after that, some other persons were supposed to show me, and they will not do it. So I had one friend. She was a white lady, and although she was told by her coworkers not to help me, she would took the time each time I needed to help me go through my drawer. And what really scared me during those times where they were nasty, they didn't want me around them. They were giving me a hard time, but she would treat me nice. She treated me nice. She treated me different than the rest did. And she was friendly. Although I could tell they were giving her a hard time. You're not listening to us. You're not doing what we told you to do. I didn't know at that time they were trying to make me quit. And uh, when I found out that she was going to be off on vacation, and I thought, I better go ahead and quit. Nobody's going to take time to, if I have a problem. I had a problem with black people that came in the line. Some that didn't want me there, thought they should have the job. And um, one teacher would come, and she never taught me. I knew her. She was at the elementary school I went to. But when she would give me her money, she would hold her change back and count and wait to, to draw attention that, Maybe I couldn't count. I, I, I never forgot that either. The person that started all, a white guy that ran a store that black people patronized, and he was the most prejudiced and the one that led the hatred against me. But because of him and through the years, I've never forgot who it was. I saw him many times since then, and he doesn't recognize me either. I've seen him in the store not too long ago. He doesn't recognize me, but he was the most nastiest, prejudiced person that I had come in contact. And he puts on a front that black people do not know because they're still going to that store uh, getting things from I, from I started being in the line at, at maybe 15 or 16 in high school, like the 11th grade, and started marching and going to the marches at Bethel Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was exciting for all the teenagers being young because our parents couldn't do it because they had to work or they would lose their jobs. As a matter of fact, my mom told me not to do it. Or if you got to do it, if you feel like you got to be in it, make sure you don't get arrested because if you get arrested, I'm not going to have a job. That was something that I didn't want to get arrested. I had rotten eggs thrown on me. I've had water thrown at me. 
I've had different, you don't know if it's water or acid. And at that time, we were non-violent. We were told we couldn't hit back. We could, we had, no matter what they did to us, keep on marching and keep on singing. So those experiences, and plus, we as teenagers was upset with our principal, Edith Jolly, because at that time, we had an all-black school, and she was telling us, from her, I guess, superintendent, Mr. Busick, that he didn't want any of her students, he didn't want to hear of her students being in those de demonstrations. And so she was saying that we better stop it. And we got a little angry with her one night and we got a whole group together. And we went around her house singing, we shall overcome. And uh, we went on and carried on and she called the police. Boy, all these cop cars came running down High Street because she lived there, and she lived in front of the cemetery. So you can imagine, we, we saw all that. We scattered all into the graveyard. All of us just disappeared into the graveyard. <laughs> and I remember one white cop, I was standing right behind, laying behind the tombstone. <laughs> He said, I ain't going in that nigga graveyard and get them fools. <laughs> and I was holding myself, hope, hoping I didn't laugh, hope I didn't sneeze because I didn't want to get arrested. Already had that threat from my parents. Mm -hmm. But it's some of those things that happened. I got chased by um, the Army uh, National Guard one night for being out mm -hmm. after curfew. I was about 16 years old. I wasn't far from my house, but they were in a Jeep. It was a bunch of them in a Jeep and saw, there's one. It was after nine. I was supposed to be off the street after nine. So they started chasing me and I lived way out there. Downs like between, it was old house in the field. The development's there now, they built houses. But it was old house in the field. And uh, if you go to back bay, like I was running, uh, you have to jump over a ditch. Well, 16 years old, running scared for my life. Here they come. I turned off down Robin Street, ran back of that field as fast as I could go and came to that ditch and jumped over like a Wonder Woman. You know, it's like I could fly over it. And they, <laughs> they jumped it. They drew the Jeep in the ditch. <laughs> so that's how I got away. <laughs> <laughs> but some of those things, you know, uh, where we were treated uh, with the tear gas and things where we were standing to do demonstrations was you never knew what they were going to do to you next. I mean, they showed how much they hated us. And after a while, it's like, we got to let them know we want to be able to do the same things that they have the freedom to do. But before they came, I was satisfied not going in this place called Disneyland that had all white, all white people. You could go if you went in the back door and took something out, but wasn't allowed to go. But I didn't want to go and eat around them. I didn't mind going there and getting what I wanted and come out. But to, to find out that they take your money and you can't even go in there and eat, it brought a change to me to make me say, why am I different? Why do I have to be treated different than someone else? Was one of the reasons I, did, I decided it was worth fighting for. Motivates me more and more And I think it's time to know Giving me something to work for And I can't wait for the day I can rub things in your face And I ain't gonna stop till I'm done During the 20th century
The very segregated city of Cambridge, Maryland supported two bustling downtowns. Two hearts beating in the same body, pumping culture and commerce through two distinct communities. Downtown Race Street, named after a mill race, was patronized by the predominantly white community. While the African-American community lived and shopped on Pine Street, Pine Street was a vital lifeline to the blacks in the community and was known as the Black Wall Street on Maryland's Eastern Shore because of its sustainability. Cambridge became a favorite stop on the Chitlin Circuit. The neighborhood was so full of life and energy that it was nicknamed Little New York. Big bands and artists like Ella Fitzgerald and James Brown performed at the many nightclubs on Pine Street. The expression, up on pine, conjures memories of what it once was. Cambridge, Maryland was much like Detroit, Michigan, a big manufacturing town. Many African Americans worked at the Philip Packing House. When the Philip Packing House closed during the mid-60s, the African American community was hit especially hard. This ignited racial tensions across the city. The civil rights movement shined a major spotlight on the unfair treatment of African Americans, and that spotlight was shined bright on Cambridge, Maryland, capturing national headlines and the attention of the President of the United States. As we reflect on this historical time, we have invited residents to come and tell their living stories. Today, we sat down with Barbara Pender. She was hired as the first African American grocery store clerk at the AMP located on Race Street.